This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and joining me this evening is Mr. Matt Caraccio. Matt, Tier Buster Series continues with the 2020 tight end class. How are you doing, my friend? Paul, I got to tell you something. Sparks are flying amidst draft Twitter as these rankings and other shows of similar kind begin to kind of start turning out as we begin to see where people are starting to plant their flags, align their armies with. I mean, it becomes quite the interesting escapade. But you know what's really great about the community is I've learned over the years that we've been on here, and it feels like, you know, we've been on here three, four years um, really doing this in earnest. And I got to give our community a lot of credit, man. A lot of great people out there just sharing and really just and really just willing to um, prop each other up and and be honest and open about their takes and not really sitting there and pointing fingers. And, you know, that's really changed over time. And I think our community is really developing, you know, really into a, a huge, huge group of, of awesome people. So I'm excited to continue the series and, and keep broadening the discussion as we begin to kind of look at all these players as they go into the draft. Yeah, absolutely. And this is such a fun time because the combine is closing in and people are really have turned their attention to the draft, to the combine, to the pre-draft process. And, and it's so fun because what makes this time so exciting is there are so many different takes out there. You know, I know we are more skewed towards the film analysis, the movement stuff. You know, then there's the analytic people. There's people that are more, you know, in the middle of there. And it's just, you see so many different takes. You see so many different aspects of a player. And it's so unique, I think, in this time because we don't have all the information yet. You know, we haven't gone to the combine. They haven't had pro days yet. But everyone is looking to kind of familiarize ourselves with these players before the combine to kind of get a feel for who they are. And I think that's what these tier buster shows really do. It, it sent me back to the film. I pretty much just, you know, finished up my rewatching film analysis of what's currently out there. If something happens during the combine that sends me back to the tape, I'll see if more become available. You know, but I've done a lot of going back now and watching this season on a, on so many of the offensive prospects that this tier buzzer series is an opportunity to kind of discuss the changes and re rank people and tier people into groups groups as we wait for more information to come out over the next couple months from the combine from the pro days and for more film that becomes available and the tight end position as we really turn our attention to the tight end group it's always so unique we've talked about it for years now that the tight end position and evaluating at the collegiate level is so challenging because some of these tight ends are not asked to do anything that they'll be asked to do at the NFL level some are just really wide receivers with a tight and label. And at the NFL level, they might be able to still do that, but they might have some added responsibilities in terms of blocking. And whether it's in space, whether it's at the point of attack on the line, you know, where they line up at the collegiate game to the NFL might change as well. Teams might have different views on how a player is going to win at the next level. So often, we see these guys who are really good receiving tight ends, but how will that adjust and how will they translate when they're up against better athletes, you know, at the NFL level, better tight end athletes, better safety athletes. I think it's so unique and such a challenge 
to to see. I mean, we we remember talking about the David Njoku, Evan Ingram, and OJ Howard year, and we talked about how legendary of a tight end class that was. And to be honest with you, right now I think it's mixed reviews. David Njoku's kind of been a you know we don't really know what the story is with him. Evan Ingram has showed glimpses of being a star, but then also battled a lot of injuries. And then there is the mystery of OJ Howard, and you know we don't know what to make of him after his really poor season this year and Tampa Bay not really utilizing him as we expect. And that's from a class that we thought was great. So it just shows you how unique of a position it is to evaluate. And I think it's going to be fun talking about some of these guys tonight. Yeah, no, I, I mean, listen, I mean, from, from where I stand, I mean, looking at this tight end class, the things that I really tried to bring to it this year as I continue to kind of invest in that kind of player problem solver paradigm is, is really asking those questions. You know, when we talk about players on the, on the football field, you know, we start addressing, you know, what does functionality mean? And, you know, in a team sport, functionality really should be, uh, in many ways. And I take this from Dominic Orth, who was a, a guest on the Saturday, Sunday football podcast, summer seminar series, uh, this past summer. And, and I thought, you know, Dominic's, um, you know, thoughts were, were very great. And I, and I kind of stole them right from him. He was like, we were, we were talking about football and he was like, you know, um, when we talk about functionality, we should probably be looking at those things, which further, um, the success of our team. So, you know, when we look at what, what is a good play versus what is a bad play, it really needs to be evaluated, so to speak on whether or not it's helping the team progress in its endeavor to win the game. You know, and I think with the tight end position, there's just so many ways that they become integral parts of that particular type of idea, whether they're blocking or they're pass catching. And I, I really do think, you know, they are becoming yet again um, one of the more domineering kind of multifaceted positions on the football field. I mean, let's put it this way. Your pass catching running back and interior running back, your do-it-all uh, running backs, if, for every Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, for that type of player, um, we're looking for the same style of player, so to speak, at the tight end position. We're looking for a player who can block, a player who can flex out in an up-tempo offense and become a receiving threat. We want a guy who can threaten the seam and yet also break off that comeback route and at the same time be able to down block on the defensive end or be able to stalemate that linebacker that's blitzing on the edge. That's who we want. And and Paul, I mean, I, I don't mean to, to kind of get too far into this before we even get into it, but this class, I, I, I'm not sure if we get that do-it-all tight end, or at least they're not there yet. Maybe they're on that road, but I'm not sure if we're really quite there yet with any one of them. Yeah, absolutely, and I agree completely. I think it's a unique class. Uh, I think it has some depth to it in terms of uh, – you know, quality and quantity, but I don't know if we have the star power that we've had over the pe previous years. You know, I already mentioned the Evan Ingram, OJ Howard, David Njoku year, even last year. I mean, uh, Hawkinson and Fant, you know, were both regarded as first round picks. Irv Smith, you know, went early in the second round. I'm not sure we have anyone even on that level. So why don't we get right into this? Obviously, you know, the tight end show and the quarterback show aren't going to be nearly as long as the running back and wide receiver show because it's just not the depth of, of amount of guys to really go through. And tier one for us in the tight end group is guys that we consider first or early second round NFL picks. We think they are capable to be a complete tight end or create mismatches regularly as a pass catcher. We think they're late first to second round dynasty rookie picks. I don't want to speak on behalf of you, Matt, but my tier one, it's empty. 
this is the first time that my tier one at any position in all the years we've been doing this has nobody. I don't see a tight end worthy of being a round one or early round two NFL draft selection. I think there's some guys that maybe can blossom in to being that complete tight end. And I think there's some guys that could blossom into creating mismatches regularly as a pass catcher. But I'm not sure anybody is there just yet that I feel comfortable putting anybody in tier one. We can tier guys by in by class, but that's not what we're trying to do here. When we made these unique tiers, we want to basically be able to compare these year to year. So if I'm talking about saying guys like Hawkinson and Evan Ingram, those were tier one guys for us. I don't see anybody in this class at that level. What about you? No, you know what? It's it's odd. Like, you know, I, I remember at first blush, we were talking about this idea that there will there be a guy in that realm. And, and we were both pretty skeptical. We, we thought that there were a couple that may vie for that position. But ultimately, I think when you really break down the film and you look at them across the board in terms of their versatility, I think there's I think there's some versatile tight ends. I mean, so I don't want to make it sound like, you know, they're not versatile. There's not any versatile um, you know, tight end talent in this class. I think there's, I think there's a number of them. I think it's just the problem is, I think right now, I think when you're talking about a guy that you could slot day one as being your tight end one or tight end two within your respective offense, I don't think there's a player who's going to be able to adapt to any ecosystem out there that a team could provide. I think these guys are going to all be developmental on some level. I mean, when we talk about the Irv Smiths and the Evan Ingrams, we knew regardless of their ability to block at the NFL level, we were pretty gosh darn sure as movers, those players were going to be exceptional receiving threats. And I, you know, and you could argue for right now that there may be a player, and I'm sure there's one that people are thinking of. I'm going to hold serve and say I'm I'm still not sold quite yet because I still need to see it against NFL exposures over a duration of time. I didn't see that. I mean, I saw you could see movement skill, but the skill you're seeing on the field is still only relative to the situation or the competition or the context with which you're viewing it. So there's only so far I'm willing to project on guys that had some exceptional film because of the context with which they were displaying it within. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, Paul, I've got a big tier too, man. And, and maybe that's a, maybe that's just a cop out on my part. But I think when it comes to skillful players at the position, there's only one player that's really in consideration for me to be even green lighted as our tight end was. And if you know the colors of our, of our, of our notebooks, green lighted would be the green being a, a tight end one potential player. And I've only got one that could be that. Um, but I wasn't bold enough to do that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And, you know, my tier two is, is enormous. It, it's got eight names in it and, and, and it's a crazy amount. And maybe somebody could emerge from that and become a, a tier one guy. But right now, I think they, most of those guys do belong in tier two. So let's get right to this. So we start talking about some players. Tier two for us is guys that we believe are mid second round to round three. NFL draft selection. So we think they're coming off the board or have the capabilities to come off the board on day two of the draft. We believe they possess several average to above average traits to contribute immediately to the passing game and be at least adequate as a blocker, or they display at least adequate receiving ability and very good to great blocking capabilities. In terms of fantasy, we think these guys are mid round two to round three dynasty rookie picks. If they're receiving type tight ends, my tier two starts out 
with Adam Trapman out of Dayton. I think he's a guy who could emerge into that complete tight end, a Dallas Goddard type, you know, maybe you see glimpses of future development to be a Travis Kelsey like player, but I don't want to put that on him right now, but similar to how we saw Dallas Goddard coming out. That's how I kind of see Adam Trapman. Can he develop into that all around player Hunter Bryant out of Washington pass catching tight end reminds me a lot of Jordan Reed. He's not going to be able to be asked to block much at all. He's only six two, two forty. You need to ask him to, be a move tight end, play in the slot, play detached. I don't even think he could help out too much in terms of the blocking capability. So he's exclusively a pass catching tight end. Harrison Bryan out of Florida Atlantic. Now he's an intriguing one because he is showed a lot more growth and development this year as a blocker and the tenacity to get after it. So if you want to say there's a guy like Evan Ingram in this draft class, I think it's Harrison Bryant. Now I don't think he has the athleticism of an Evan Ingram, but he creates mismatches in the past game. He's got good size. He's got great length. He's got good hands. He's got above average route running and separation quickness. I like the movement skills, but he gets after it as a blocker. And I do think he could hold up a little bit in line, similar to what Evan Ingram has done at the NFL level. And Evan Ingram always gives good effort. Even when he was in college and people said he couldn't block, it wasn't with a, it wasn't because of lack of effort. And I think that's a lot of what Harrison Bryant, he could hold his own. Cole Komet at a Notre Dame. Some people have him as their number one tight end. I have some... Uh, questions about him. I think his athleticism and movement skills are probably average to above average. I think he's still got to work and refine his blocking techniques, but he's more of an inline guy, but he's got good pass catching capabilities as well. Soft hands can go up and get it, can high point the ball, use his body well. Devin Asiasi out of UCLA, really intriguing prospect. Only really broke out this past year, but he's got Good size. He's got a great frame, especially if he can keep his weight in check. Really athletic for a man his frame. He can attack the seam. He can make plays after the catch due to his play strength and his straight line speed. I I like his ball skills, so he's in that. Bryson Hopkins, really athletic out of Purdue. I have some questions about his drops and, and some other aspects of his game, but really super athletic, good speed, good separation quickness. He's got to refine some route running stuff. Uh, Albert Okuwebenam out of Missouri. He had a little bit of a down year this year. I think most people expected him to be near the top of the tight end rankings, but he's still got that length. He's still got that catch radius. He's got the ability to go up and get it. He still produced touchdowns this year. His route running and separation quickness, I think there are some question marks about that, but he, do, he does have good at, He's a good athlete. He's got the speed uh, for a man his size to attack the seam. But this year was a little bit of a down year for him. So I'm interested to see his pre-draft process. And then Colby Parkinson, who's basically like a Mike Gusecki type player, not as refined as Gusecki. He's got he's 6'7", but he's only 240, thin frame. He's he's more of a wide receiver. He really is with you know, labeled a tight end. He's got a lot of growth to do as a blocker in terms of his play strength, holding the point of attack. But he's another guy, great length, good athleticism, ball skills, body control. So it's a lot of unique guys in this group, Matt. I'm sure a lot of these guys make up your tier two. So I'm interested to hear you run down your tier two and then maybe pick out some guys that you really are are intrigued by some of their unique skill sets. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, when I look at my tier two, I, it, it is pretty much a lot of the same players. Harrison Bryant, Hunter Bryant, uh, Albert uh, Okuwebewam, uh Adam Troutman, uh, Cole Komet, and Devin Asiasi. I mean, um, those guys are the guys that make up my tier. And, I, you know, for me, the guy that stands out most for me is Harrison Bryant. I mean, if I were right now, if I were taking a player – 
um, in a dynasty draft or I were taking a player for, you know, the NFL, I think Harrison Bryant would be that guy because I think when you put it all together and I think that that key thing that you said earlier, Paul, was development. When you really put it all together, I think he's a player that has developed um, that that sensitivity um, for pursuit angles of defenders and that ability to block. I think he showed that tenacity. He showed that ca- the capacity to stick with it. I mean, when you look at a, a tight end and you're trying to evaluate whether or not a block was was good, bad, or otherwise, I think you have to understand that they are a dual threat player. So, I mean, they're not going to block a defensive end or a linebacker the same way an offensive tackle will. And I think you got to be reasonable in your expectation of what a successful or functional block is for a tight end. And when you see him, I think on down blocks or when you see him having to stalemate a player, you know, you see him being able to fight contact and fight through contact and be able to defeat the block it, you know, to the best of his ability. And I think he's, he holds the edge and he's able to give his running back or he's able to give his quarterback time before releasing, you know, in terms of being, uh, you know, a wide receiver, I think he, I think he's pretty solid. I think he runs some solid routes. I think he has a good hand catcher. I think he can catch the football pretty well. Um, I see a lot of offensive capacity there. I don't think he's the same athlete as Adam Troutman, not, you know, not by a long shot. I think Troutman is the guy, the receiving threat in this class, maybe Hunter Bryant, probably more. Um, but Troutman is certainly there along with Hunter Bryant as being the top receiving threats potentially in this class. But I'm, but I'm glad we brought up, you know, um, Albert Okwebuwam. I like that we brought him up because I think Albert Okwebuwam is going to sit higher than Adam Troutman for me. Um, the reason being is because, you know, when you look at the totality of his exposures and you look at what he was able to do over the course of his career, I mean, we weren't, it wasn't too long ago, Paul, that we were talking about, you know, Okwebuwam as being the guy at the position. I mean, like, I'm talking like he was the tight end one you know, at one point in college where we were all just ooing and eyeing over what he would have been if he had come out with the TJ Hawkinsons, if he had come out, you know, with the, with the players like that, if he had been part of that um, Irv Smith, TJ Hawkinson, Noah Fant, if he had been part of that class would have been something to rival quote unquote, the, the, the heralded OJ, you know, Howard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku class. And we have, we had a lot of thoughts on that being possible. Um, it was a down year. It really didn't materialize into what he what he did in previous years. But I'm going to tell you this, man. When you watch him run routes, there's few players at that position that are that have that second gear in terms of their acceleration to get separation on seam routes than Okwebuam. There's not many guys in this class that can do that. And he did it at the highest of levels, Paul. I mean, we could argue the SEC is the highest of levels as we're comparing all these guys. Harrison Bryant didn't go up. I mean, he was at FAU. I mean, he wasn't going up against SEC caliber opponents. And it was certainly Adam Troutman at you know Dayton wasn't doing that. You know, I mean, Okuwebuam, I think, is going to be very impressive at the Combine. And in fact, I think he's going to potentially raise his stock in a lot of people's eyes, because I think he'll test better than maybe others may feel. Now, in terms of blocking, um, there's times he gets manhandled. There's times that he does lose those inter- those engagements. But I also think there's times that he's pretty stout, you know, underneath the pass rush, and he's able to hold or at least stalemate. And I think that that's something that is important when you're talking about being functional at the position. I do think, you know, he is the type of guy that if if it works out, Paul, if it's if it's what we think it was, if it was a blip on the radar and it wasn't just that great of a year for him, 
he's the guy who could catapult himself as, and separate himself from this class, I think, in terms of their overall ability at the position. I, I think it's possible. I think he has that type of upside. So the other guys you mentioned, I, listen, I'm the guy who's higher on Cole Komet probably than most people. I do think his versatility in what he brings as both a blocker and a receiver, I think are, you know, underappreciated. You know, I, I look at him and, you know, I don't see this consummate kind of sensitive route runner. What I see is I see a guy who played two sports in college who didn't always have his focus on football to some degree. Um, you know, I, and I'm not going to give him a pass here. That's not an out for him, but I definitely think, you know, uh, attention divided is attention that is lost in terms of maybe improving your game. And I think Cole Komet, he had, he had a major injury that he had to overcome that he had to overcome before, you know, kind of becoming the, the, the kind of the guy after Alizé Mack, you know, at Notre Dame. And I like Cole Komet a lot. I, I think there's a lot of reason where, you know, if you were telling me I had to take a, a tight end in in a class because I had no dynasty tight ends to rely upon, Cole Komet would be a guy that I think is going to see some early action because of his two-way capability. I think he's not a terrible blocker. I think he's working on that. But I think he'll be able to get better in camp and potentially be functional comes the first few weeks of the season. So, I mean, I could see him getting some snaps along the way on a tight end, thin depth chart. And he's a player that I really do like, you know, at the position, he can catch the ball. He can stalemate at the line of scrimmage. There are times he does lose his balance. He's still learning to become a blocker. He's very good at the catch point. He's physical and strong and can fight through contact. There's very little that can really derail him when it comes to grabbing the football out of the air. Um, he's a guy that I'm really interested in. I mean, I'm just really interested in him. So in summary, I mean, I think if I were talking about this tier as being a, a tier I'm investing in for, for dynasty fantasy or NFL purposes, I'm going Harrison Bryant. I'm going Albert Oweguaybum and I'm going with Cole Komet. I think those are guys that I'm investing in, um, as guys that I could build with. Those are the guys I'm interested in. Yeah, man. I think you're bringing up some good points there. When you, when you talk about, uh, Okuwebenam, I think, we can't discount the loss of Drew Locke from that Missouri offense. I mean, he, they, the Missouri yeah, offense as a whole really took a big step back this year. And he's an interesting player because I do think he has that straight line speed that you talk about to separate, to attack the seam. I question whether or not in terms of the route running and the, the more lateral stuff and the more getting in and out of breaks with that really sharp crispness that you need to see. I don't know if I see that consistently. I like his ball skills. I like the, the vertical attacking the seam component to his game. You know, those are the things that I think areas that I feel like he are going to transfer. I do have some questions about the getting in and out of breaks and creating that more consistent separation at the top of his routes when, when he's trying to change directions quickly to create that space. So that's where my question a little bit with Albert O is, uh, Cole Komet, I'm right there with you. I'm interested. He's a guy that I'm going to be really interested at the combine to see kind of how he performs, uh, you know, in terms of athletically, because we saw him take a big step this year. We've been waiting for that breakout year. So I think he had that breakout year. Now can he ride the, that momentum into the pre-draft process with good athletic numbers? I think Harrison Bryan is the most pro-ready 
completely dual guy that is as equally skillful in terms of his pass catching as he is in terms of the effort and the techniques he is blocking. I think that I do think that is Harrison Bryant. I think Hunter Bryant very much limited to a pass catching role. Colby Parkinson very much limited to a pass catching role. Bryson Hopkins very much limited to a pass catching role. The guy that I'm I'm most intrigued with is Devin Asiasi out of UCLA because he does have the frame to potentially develop into a inline player and be a starting tight end at the Y position and hold up at the point of attack. But he's got surprising, surprising athleticism for a man who's 6'3", 260. It's impressive what you saw. So I'm interested to see how he tested the combine. And I think he's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. And when I watched him over the last few weeks, I was really impressed with what I saw out of his game. And I just, I don't think he's getting a lot of attention right now. And I think that's going to change soon. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see these guys and see what happens. So, so Matt, let me do the tier breakdown in tier three and then let you share your tier first rather than me rattling off all my guys. Uh, and I have a small tier three, but tier three for us is guys we consider round four, round five selections in the NFL draft. We think they possess several average traits to contribute in the passing game or at least adequate as a blocker. Or we think they display at least adequate receiving ability and above average to good blocking capabilities. We think they're late round three to round four dynasty rookie picks if they offer receiving capabilities. So Matt, who makes up your tier three? So I have Thaddeus Moths from LSU. I have Bryce Hopkins from Purdue and I have Colby Parkinson from Stanford. So I have only have three guys in my tier three. And um, those guys to me, especially Thaddeus Moss, I think Thaddeus Moss is an absolute rock solid potential tight end for a team. You know, I, I, I think that's what he is. And I think he's going to offer you a little bit in terms of blocking. Um, I think we saw it when he was playing at LSU. I think we saw it in the national championship. I think we saw it throughout the year. I mean, he's a very, very, very tenacious blocker. Like he takes pride in his blocking. And I think that that's apparent on film for him. So, I mean, when it comes to blocking and it comes to that willingness to engage, but also that sensitivity to attack angles of various defensive players in order to stalemate them or even to widen them to create running lanes or to even kind of um, buy time for the quarterback. I think you see, a, you know, a sensitive blocker. I really do. And I think that's pretty right, rock solid. But then I think it's the evolution of him being involved in the passing game throughout the year, which is really what stood out to me, where he really was competent. He wasn't exactly, you know, ripping off routes like his father was, but I mean, he was, but he was, you know, a very competent receiving tight end. And I, and for me, again, I think it goes back to that versatility. I mean, it's the reason why, you know, it's hard for me to, to kind of move away from players that offer that at various other positions. I'd be remiss if I didn't say I would feel the same way about anybody at the tight end position. Guys who can do a little bit of blocking and receiving, I think to me, have the foundation for an NFL team to invest time, interest, and cap money into them. Because I think those guys are players that they can build with. And especially in the up-tempo offenses that we're seeing today, having that multifaceted tight end that can go from in line to flexed out you know, within a snap is really important for keeping that defense on its toes and destabilizing them, especially when the tempo is hot. So, I mean, he makes up, he's a very intriguing player for me. And then, like you said about Kobe Parkinson and Bryce Hopkins, I don't, I don't really want to 
there's no reason to kind of rehash what you already said earlier about these gentlemen, but they are what you said. They're mostly receiving tight ends. They are more one-dimensional. They are more developmental in terms of their blocking capabilities. And I think that that's for that alone. I think that that's, that makes them less than desirable, you know, at the next level, at least as a premium kind of draft interest. I don't think they're going to garner the type of capital that a player that is multi-dimensional will garner. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree a lot with what you just said there. Uh, my tier three is made up of Jared Pinckney out of Vanderbilt, Thaddeus Moss out of LSU, and CJ O'Grady out of Arkansas. Everything you just said about there, Moss, I think was spot on. I do think Moss shows some capabilities to be a functional blocker in the pass game and the run game. He's only, I think he's like 6'3", 249. So I don't think he's got this like, I think he's got average to above average size and frame. I like his ball skills. I like his body control, his ability to adjust. We saw some of that. He put up really gaudy stats this year. I think I do think that was a little bit of a product of the system, but I do like I do think he offers you some dual capabilities at the tight end position. He could be a functional blocker. He can catch the ball. You know, a lot of what we saw, he was wide open at times, but there were some things that we saw him at the catch point, contested catch situations, and we saw that ball skills, body control, ability to adjust. I think his athleticism is probably somewhere between average to above average in terms of his athleticism and his movement skills. You know, so I think, you know, early day three, I can see that. Some people might have him a little bit higher than that, but I think Thaddeus Moss is an intriguing guy. Could be a tight end too with upside to develop into more maybe down the line. Jared Pinkney's another guy, very, very similar to when we talked about Okuwebanon before. Vanderbilt really struggled this year. We talked a little bit about it, you know, when we talked about the running back position with Keyshawn Vaughn. Pinkney's stats, I mean, before the season, Pinkney was regarded as a top three, top five tight end in this class, potentially, you know, early day two pick. Now I think we're talking probably a day three pick, early day three, maybe sneaks into the top of the back 100, you know, somewhere on day two. But I think more of a day three type player, how I see him. He's got good size. He's got good frame. He's a, he's a pretty functional blocker in the pass game and the run game. But for me, his receiving production came down a little bit. I had some questions before the year even started about his overall athleticism. I think for a man, his size and frame, I think it's probably somewhere between average to above average. I think he's got some straight line speed after the catch to make a play. You know, I think his route running is something that he needs some refinement on that, especially in terms of his separation quickness, getting in and out of breaks. He struggled with that at the senior bowl. I thought he struggled with it on his 2019 film, but 2018, you saw a lot more of that. You saw better route running. You saw more separation quickness. So I don't really know what it is. He's a very hard eval because if you watch him on 2018 and then you watch him on 2019, you don't see the same player. So he's a guy who's got some pass catching abilities. He's got the size and frame, has some athleticism to him and straight line speed. I think he needs some refinement in certain areas, you know, in terms of, you know, getting in and out of his breaks a little bit quicker. He's got ball skills because he's got that size. He creates frame. He uses that size and his physical and his play strength to create some uh, space at the catch point so we can win in contested catch situations. It could be a red zone weapon. So I think he's an intriguing player. And then CJ O'Grady is fascinating. He's had a numerous off-field issues, and that's not something that Matt and I ever really get too much into here, but it's at least in the in the uh at least in the mention here in terms of the conversation because if not i think o'grady might even be higher on ranks and might be getting more attention because his at his receiving capabilities 
his athleticism. I think he's a really intriguing player that, you know, that offers a lot to me. He's got above average to good athleticism, movement skills, separation, quickness. He's a, he's got good route running. He's got ability after the catch. He's got body control. He's got some length to extend and high point the ball. Well, he's versatile and he's got enough size to line up in line because he's blocking is functional, but he also can be detached and move around a little bit due to his pass catching skills. So he's an intriguing player to me, and he's a little bit of a wild card. I don't know if he's going to go round four or five. He might not even get drafted because of some of those issues that we talked about, or maybe he goes a little bit later. But on pure talent alone, I think he is a guy who warrants some consideration in the round four or five mix because of his actual traits on the football field. Matt, any, any thoughts there on any of those guys I just mentioned? No, I mean, the, the, well, the one that stands out to me that I think is interesting, I mean, I know you've talked quite a bit about C.J. O'Grady, and and when you do look at him in terms of going into his film a little bit, you're right. I mean, he offers that dual threat type of capacity, which I think is really important, as we said earlier. And I think you're right. I think there's going to be an opportunity where he may not necessarily uh, get drafted, or he will be very, very low draft capital, which is something that he's going to mean he's going to have to prove, you know, at the next level. But but I think that, that that's a great call. I, I think that's a player definitely on the on the upswing, a player worth watching as we move forward in this process. Yeah, absolutely. So let's take this to uh, the final tier, which is tier four for us. Tier four are guys that we consider late round, round six, round seven, or UDFA prospects in terms of the NFL draft. They're late round watch list type dynasty rookie picks. They're depth players, possess some average traits that could contribute to a team's passing and their running game. These are also a tier where it may include players with limited exposures to to make a true full determination. My tier four uh, is made up of... uh, First up, uh, Josiah DeGuara out of Cincinnati, Mitchell Wilcox out of uh, UC, uh, USF, uh, Stefan Sullivan out of LSU, Charlie uh, Tampamu out of Portland State, Jacob Breland out of Oregon, Sean McKean out of Michigan, and Joey Magnifico out of Memphis. A lot of guys in this who are developmental. A bunch of those, some of these guys are more the blocking type tight ends. And some are guys who are going to convert to H backs or fullbacks. So I, it's an interesting group. The guys that I think intrigue me the most, uh, Degara out of Cincinnati is a guy who he's pretty solid to functional at a lot of different things. And I think he's a guy who's going to go around six or round seven, but you're going to see him in the NFL for a long time. And he's going to have a really solid career. He's a functional blocker. He gives high effort good toughness, good technique. He's got some pass catching capabilities as well. So he's a guy who I think we're going to, is going to get drafted and we're going to see him be in the NFL for a long time. Mitchell Wilcox, another guy, a lot of people thought he was going to come out last year. He doesn't end up coming back. He's on most people's top five tight ends before the year starts. And now this is a guy who might be a late round draft pick or even a priority free agent, you know, because there's some concerns about his blocking, holding the point of attack, his agility, in the open field, his yards after the catch ability. But when I watch him still, he's got good size. It's only average frame. He's got average athleticism, movement skills, but he's got a good catch radius. He's got good body control and toughness. Average route runner, can make catches in traffic. To me, he's a depth passing catch tight end who can line up detached or as an H-back. So he's a little intriguing. And then Sullivan, the former wide receiver, converted to tight end. He didn't play a lot this year at LSU due to Thaddeus Moss's development and growth. But the year before, he had some receiving capabilities. He's got to improve his blocking techniques. Uh, His production is obviously limited, and he's got to 
continue to add to his frame, but he's got great size. He's got athleticism. He's got ball skills. He can go up and get it. He's a, he's a willing blocker in space. So he's an intriguing guy. Teams are going to draft around six or round seven. And I'm interested to see if he can develop into a little bit more of a weapon down the line, but I think he is going to take some time. Those are the guys in this uh, tier for me that I'm most intrigued with. Deguara out of Cincinnati, Wilcox out of USF, and then Sullivan out of LSU. The other guys like McKean blocking tight end, Breland more of an H back, had some moments at Oregon, but not that are going to, I think, translate to a, you know, much of a role at the NFL level besides more of an H back type. Same thing with the, the, the uh, small school prospect at a Portland state and same thing with Magnifico. I think those guys are probably tight end threes, fullback H back type players uh, that round out a depth chart. Yeah. And I would agree. And I would highlight Mitchell Wilcox as well. I mean, he was a player again, Again, he he was very serviceable in a lot of different ways, and because of that, I think that he's a player that well. I think you did a great job talking about him already, so I don't need to necessarily add anything to that mix, Paul. But as we as we kind of begin to kind of contextualize this class and begin to kind of frame it in terms of you know where we think it sits overall in terms of fantasy and dynasty, you know, I mean, for me, it pretty much seems like this is going to be a class where you know if you if you have a need at tight end. If you have no tight ends on your team or you don't have anything, you know, worth discussing, um, I, you know, like I said, I, I think, you know, the, th- the players that I would be focusing on, again, I think are going to be those Harrison Bryant's, those Albert Oweguebombs, uh, Oweguebombs, and as well as, um, Cole Komet. I, I think those are the guys that I would be focusing on initially. Um, I think Devin, um, Asiasi is, is a player for sure to keep in your back pocket as more of your late round two, early round three guy. Um, because if those guys that I just mentioned go much earlier, which they may not, um, then that's a guy that you could say, you know what? He's a guy who could probably get drafted as a second tight end and, and find his way into a starting role if it all cuts his way. So, Paul, that's kind of how I see the class from kind of more of a fantasy perspective. Any final thoughts on this class? No, I mean, I think it's an intriguing class. I don't think we have that tier one guy, but I think people's tier twos, while they have lots of similar names, I think the order is is very up in the air. You see somebody's rankings and you're going to see Cole Komet. You see somebody else's, you're going to see Hunter Bryant. You see somebody else's Harrison Bryant. You see somebody else and, you know, and it's Adam Trapman, you know, and then there's other people who are really big fans of Bryson Hopkins. Other people are big fans of Oku Webinam. You know, it's, it's, it's a unique class because I don't really ever remember a class where potentially there could be five or six different names in terms of who somebody might view as the tight end one in the class. So I think that's what makes it a unique class. Uh, I think NFL teams, you know, really are going to be interested to see how they evaluate these guys because they're not going to be very similar too, because it's going to be more of what they're looking for in terms of body type, in terms of NFL role, in terms of immediate production versus future production and, and value. So I think it's going to be really fascinating. It's going to be fun to you know, kind of see if the combine and the pre-draft process kind of help sort things out a little bit in terms of these rankings, if there's any more consensus down the line. So really fun nonetheless. Uh, guys, if you're a fan of what Matt and I are doing, please consider checking out the premium notebooks that we have. You go to the website, ssfootball.com or Saturday the number two, sundayfootball.com. The notebooks are fully updated now with 2019 film separated for the 2020 draft class in, uh, separate from the guys who were draft eligible. I 
added it up today. I believe the final number that is currently in there uh, is 18 quarterbacks, 27 running backs, 15 tight ends, and 33 wide receivers. That's 93 full player profiles with strengths, functional areas, developmental areas, NFL role, NFL projection, how they win, and fantasy spin. And that doesn't even count the additional 25 or so draft-eligible prospects that we did full profiles on in the summer who then did not declare. So they're in there as well. They're on separate uh, tabs just to not get confused that someone might think they are eligible, that they are in this upcoming draft. You get that. Plus the the rankings notebook, which has these tiers that we've been putting together. It has our rankings. It has our Devi rankings. It has our Dynasty rookie rankings. And then obviously you get two additional notebooks. You get the freshman notebook and the draft projections notebook uh, late March to mid-April all included in the low cost of $9.99. It is the best way to support the show and help us grow and continue to do what we're doing. So we hopefully, uh, we hope that you consider purchasing it. So on behalf of Matt, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>